If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of 1 John, near the back of your Bibles, near the end of the New Testament. We are approaching the end of this book. We'll be looking at the last chapter, chapter 5, this evening, this week, next week, and then one more week, and we will have completed our journey through 1 John. This evening, we will look at chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And the word of the Lord is completely authoritative. 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we ask that you would use your word mightily in our lives this evening, that you would write it upon our hearts, that we would long to know you better, that we would long to love you and obey you. This we ask, O Lord, in Christ's precious name, amen. I don't know that you need me to tell you, but I will anyway. Life is hard. There are many pressures that bear down on us. Deadlines, concerns that we have, conflicts, challenges. There are many things that present themselves to us that we have a strong temptation to worry about. There is so much that seems out of our control. There's so much that seems that with one wrong turn or one false move, all could be lost. There are so many potential failures in front of us that oftentimes we are frozen, unable to act, concerned about what the future will bring. And the question then comes to us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ how can we survive? How can we overcome these challenges, these pressures, these worries? John gives us insight into that this evening. He tells us that we can overcome. And we overcome because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. We overcome because there is a new birth that is brought to us. We overcome because there is a new life that we participate in. And we overcome because there is a victory that Jesus has brought to us. A new birth, 
a new life, and a victory. Let's begin then by looking at the start of chapter 5, at this new birth that John describes here. What he says is, is that our lives, our ability to overcome, our ability to survive, begins with being born again. Now, this just makes sense, doesn't it? Because we have to be alive before we can do anything. And so John tells us that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. John describes what it means to be born again in his gospel. To be born again is not merely some sort of cliched evangelical phrase. It describes the passing from death to life. It describes how the Lord has reached down to us and brought us into new life. When Jesus met with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he explained to him that he could not see the kingdom of God unless he had been born again. Before we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. We cannot appreciate spiritual things. We cannot understand what the Lord is speaking to us. And so our true lives begin with a birth. A birth that is the work of the Lord. The initiative is God's. James puts it this way in James chapter 1. Of His own will, that is of God's will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Peter says much the similar thing in his first epistle, chapter 1, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, it is God who takes the initiative with us. He sees us when we are dead in our trespasses and sins, when we are unlovely, when we have no hope, when we have nowhere to turn, and He reaches down and gives us new life. The means that He uses are His own. It's not something that we can bring about on our own. We cannot work ourselves into life. Sometimes mothers will joke, and after they've given birth, they'll make a comment about, well... When you were a baby, it took you a long time to be ready to be born. Or you really wanted to be born so quickly, I wasn't in labor much at all. But we all know that it is not the work of the baby that brings the birth about. It is what God is doing at work in the mother, and it is the work of the mother. All of you ladies that have experienced childbirth know that you are the ones working hard. Dad is just standing on the side holding a hand, maybe saying breathe, or maybe just trying to stay calm. You see, we're not involved in our own birth naturally, just in the same way that we are not involved in our own birth supernaturally. The power that brings about our birth is God's Word. And it is affected by the Spirit of God. We are born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. And what John reminds us is that we are born before we believe. There is a great theological controversy that has raged for centuries. 
whether we believe first, and that gives us a new heart and a new life, or whether God gives us a new heart and a new life, and that allows us to believe. John clearly stands on the side of the rest of Scripture that says, it is God's work at first that gives us the power to believe and have faith. And he says it actually very clearly in verse 1. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, I appeal to the grammarians among us. Believes is a present tense verb. Has been born is a perfect tense verb. It is something that happens in the past and has an effect in the future. You see, we believe now because we have been born of God. We must be alive in order to believe. Perhaps the best example of this is found in John's Gospel. As we see Lazarus in the tomb, dead. So dead that everyone is aware of it. And yet when Jesus calls him forth, he lives and he comes out of the tomb. This is the work that the Lord does in each of our lives. It is not a work that we can manipulate. It is not a work that we can do. And we must remember this as we look at our lives and our circumstances. We are in the debt of the Lord. He is the one that will bring this work about. But it's not just that He brings us into new life. As we are born, just as in our natural life, we are born into a family. We're not just alive, we're a part of God's family. John says that everyone who loves the Father, whoever everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. You see, we become a part of God's family, and that means we have relationships one with another. John has been reminding us over and over again of the need to love, and especially of the need to love our brothers and sisters. And now here he describes it in terms of the family. That we must love each other if we love the one who has begotten all of us. We're a part of that that same family. You know the old saying, you can choose your friends but you can't choose your family. You're just born into that bond. You have an obligation to love one another simply because you are a part of the family. Not because you have the same hobbies or not because you have similar personalities. It is just a part of being a part of a family. And when we are born into a family, into God's family, it means that we also have characteristics That are the same. We're no longer who we were. We are no longer a part of the world. John says we must love those who have been born again. Because it is a part of our new nature. It is what God has placed within us. By the new birth he has given to us. And this new birth leads to a new life. A new life that is marked by faith, love, and obedience. Faith 
John tells us in verse 1, comes as a result of the new birth. It is a present continuing state. The follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is in the family of God, is described as a believer for a reason. He is one who believes. He is one who trusts the Lord Jesus Christ constantly and continually. And there are no exceptions to this. You see, John once again using his universal language, everyone who believes is born of God. You cannot possibly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but that you have been born of God. And if you have been born of God, you have been given a new heart and equipped to believe on Jesus. Now, we must explain that to have faith or to believe is here not a vague thing. We don't just have faith somehow that things will get better. Have faith vaguely. No, faith is defined by its object. And the object of our faith is very specific. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is very clear, John says, we must believe in Jesus and we must believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now that term Christ, that title for our Lord Jesus Christ, as I've mentioned to you before, is not Jesus' last name. It is a title that describes who He is and what God has done. It means He is the Messiah. He is the Anointed One. He is the Redeemer. He is the One who has come to fulfill the will and the covenant of God. So we must believe in Jesus, but it also matters what we believe about Jesus. There are many who claim to be religious or spiritual who think that Jesus was merely a good teacher. An ordinary man. They think he was a mere man. He may have been married. Some think he was divorced. Some think that he lived and died just like all other humanity. But that's not the testimony of the scriptures. For others, Jesus isn't even a real person at all. He never existed. He's some sort of noble principle that we look forward to to help us in dark times. But John says, the sign of whether we have been born again is whether we confess that Jesus is the Son of God and is the Messiah. The life that we live, we live by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ in who He is and what He has done. And this faith pushes us forward. It reminds us that our new life is a life to be lived and marked by love. We've seen this many times before. John has been emphasizing the love that we are to have for each other and for God over and over again because Jesus emphasized it to him. We are to love the Father. We are to love those who are born of him. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. It's interesting that previously in his letter, John has been telling us that the way that we know that we love God is by our love for our brothers and sisters. And now here, he seems to reverse it. 
He says, we can know we love the brethren because we love God. Is John confused? Is he engaging in circular argumentation? I I don't think so. I think John is showing us that you can't have one without the other. And then we need to look to the evidence of both in our lives to encourage us on both ends. This is fundamental to the family of God. And this is, I dare say, often hard for us who are in the Reformed Church. We're very good at an argument. We're good at debating a doctrine. We're good at finding and defeating heresy. And all of that is important. But where we are challenged, I think, so often is when personal differences come in. When we have a challenge of personality with someone else, when we need to show them love, when someone disturbs us, it is difficult not to have the disturbance ripple throughout all of the congregation. You know, there is a secret that not many people realize. For the most part, church splits... Dissension in the session. Difficulties between a pastor and his congregation and a pastor and his session do not happen because of the exegesis of passages of Romans or Hebrews. It occurs because of a lack of understanding and love and commitment to one another. We're not willing to go the extra mile. We're not willing to think more highly of others than of ourselves. We're not willing to put into place what the scriptures tell us we must. And in failing to do so, we fail to live up to our doctrinal standards. Because that is the doctrine of scripture. That we are to love one another. That we are to serve one another. That we are to be humble before each other. We need to be ready to handle these kind of difficulties with grace. Love is a critical part of the new life we live in Christ. But you see that love leads then to something else, according to the Apostle John. We know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. It's as if John is anticipating, well, John, how do I know that I love God? How can I see that I love God? And he says, that's a good question. Let me answer it for you. You know you love God when you keep His commandments. When you do what the Lord says, you are showing that you love Him. Now, this cuts against all of our modern definitions of love. Modern love is sentimentality. It is sappy. It is gilded music. It is puppy dog eyes. But you see, what John says is real love expresses itself in action, in obedience. We must love God and obey His commandments. He equates the two. If we are to love God, we must listen to God and we must obey Him. We cannot say that we love God, but we just aren't so fond of His word. We can't say 
We love God only if He meets our standard. This is far too often the case in our world today where people make statements such as this. Well, I couldn't love a God or believe in a God who was like this. So therefore, I don't think He's like that. I don't think a God who is loving would follow the dictates of the Bible. So therefore, I'm just taking the Bible and tossing it aside. You see, what John says is, if we are to love God, we show our love by taking God seriously at His word, by honoring Him, and by obeying Him. And we express our love in this way by understanding He is our Father, both in the sense that He is the one who has begotten us, and in the sense that He is the one who has authority over us. This is how it works out in families as well, doesn't it? We seek to obey our fathers, obey our parents, as a way of showing that we care for them, that we love them, that we are in a relationship with them. Same it is in a spiritual sense. When we love God, we keep His commands. And when we love God, we know that His commands are not burdensome to us. This is what John says. His commandments are not burdensome. Now, this may seem difficult to believe at first. The Bible is an awfully big book. There are a great many things that God commands us to do in the Scriptures. The Ten Commandments themselves are broad in their scope as Jesus has applied them to us. They come to us in ways that restrict us from sin. When God says, you shall not murder, He does not mean just you cannot hit someone with a baseball bat. He says you cannot think wicked thoughts about that person. You cannot nourish hatred in your heart. It is not just our actions. It is our words. It is our very thoughts that are commanded by God. If this is the case, how can His commandments not be burdensome? I think the difference is found in the relationship we have with God. You see, Jesus describes the burdensome commands that the Pharisees placed on others. He says they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. You can almost picture it in your mind, the Pharisees putting these heavy commands on others, hoping they would fail, so that they could point that out. There was no love involved, no relationship involved. They were seeking to manipulate others. But on the other hand, Jesus describes His commands this way. He says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And what makes the difference there is love. You see, the law of God is written on our hearts, God's Word says. And therefore we rejoice to obey it because we are in relationship with the Lord our God and He has our best interest at heart. And He enables us to keep His commands. This is what the new life means. To trust in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. To 
Love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our mind, and all our strength. And to obey Him in the commands that He gives to us. And the third and final thing that we see that is a result of this is the victory that comes to us. It is a victory that has already been won. You see, there is another reason why God's commandments are not a burden. Through the new birth and the new life we are given in Christ, we can overcome the world. And this is not a special blessing. Do you see what John says in verse 4? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. It's not some kind of second work or special victory that only comes to those in specific circumstances. John says that all, all who have been born of God have overcome the world. Now, this does not mean that we all are entitled to happiness. Overcoming the world does not mean a vacation home and brand new cars and a job that we love to be at eight hours a day. No. Overcoming the world means that those who oppose God have been defeated. John has been talking about these people throughout his letter. Those who opposed the church, who opposed Him, those who fail to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who think that through secret knowledge they know more about God than the Apostle himself. John describes them this way in chapter 4, verse 5. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. You see, the enemy speaks the language of the world. But we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we who are born of God, have overcome the world through God. And the conquering power that God has given to us in this, is our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Now, there's something very interesting about this verse. This word faith at the end of verse 4 is the only place in all of John's letters and all of John's gospel that the noun faith is used. It's only used here. John speaks of believing. He speaks of trusting using the verbal form of this word. But only here does he place emphasis on our faith. And here he is emphasizing the fact that our faith is the victory that has overcome the world. You see, it is already accomplished. It is a past tense victory and having overcome. We trust in Jesus and we know that is only possible by the work of God. And therefore we know that we have conquered because why? Jesus has conquered. Our faith trusts in Jesus to have won the victory and so therefore we know the victory is secured. That it is not something that we need to accomplish but that God has brought about. But finally, we see that this victory is not just something in the past. It is something that we possess and have right now. Who is it that overcomes the world? Present tense. 
except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, when we trust in Christ, we get more. We have the past victory secured. We know we dwell in the current victory and the future victory is to come. We do know that Jesus Christ is coming again. We know that when He comes, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And we are secure in that knowledge and victory today. And what gives us that victory, what gives us that hope, is our faith in Christ. Are you looking for Jesus now for victory? Do you have your eyes upon Jesus? Because you see, it's very dangerous to take your eyes off of Jesus. You've seen all of the commercials telling you that you're not supposed to text or do anything on your phone when you drive. That you even... To look down for two or three seconds could be deadly and cause a crash. I remember as my kids were younger and I was coaching baseball, one of the most difficult things was to tell the children, the young men, to always keep their eye on the ball. You could have the best bat, the best stance, the best reactions, and if you don't keep your eye on the ball, you will not succeed. These are pictures of our lives in Christ. To know that victory, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. We must not be distracted by all that is around us, all of the noise, all of the difficulties, all of the challenges. We must instead look forward to the cross and to the Lord Jesus Christ and know that we are safe and secure and that God has won the victory. And in that... We are overcomers. And in that, we know that there is hope. This is the new life that God has given to us. It comes from a new birth and it leads us to the victory in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we ask this evening that you would remind us of the great victory that you have won at the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that the work is finished and that we can look to Jesus and find hope in Him. We pray, O Lord, that you would equip us for all of the challenges that will face us this week. That by trusting in Christ, we will know that we are sufficient because of your work. Lord, bless us this week. Make us warriors for Christ. Give us words to speak to others. Give us comfort in the midst of our trials. And keep us in your love. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.